She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie, showing you how to embrace vulnerability and unearth your power within. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to our final episode of season four of the She Loves Herself, the podcast. I am your host, Jill Ritchie. And um, oh my goodness, what can I say? I actually feel so amazing about ending the season Right, not amazing in the way that, oh, it's amazing it's finished. I feel so amazing and so proud of season four of this podcast. I love every season that I do, but I feel like the direction that I took the podcast in um, was a bit of a bold move. Um, there was a lot of taboo subjects discussed on this season and I'm so proud that even though there was a little bit of nervousness around doing it, I leaned into that and I did it anyway. So for anyone that wants to make a change, wants to do something but is nervous about doing it, feel the fear and do it anyway. I promise you the growth that comes from it is phenomenal and not everyone will get what you're doing or why you're doing it but here's the thing guys they don't need to if it feels true to you and you have a calling or you have a pull to do it do it because if you don't do it there will be someone else that does it in three months six months a year's time from now and you will kick yourself so I am proud of myself and I am so excited to end this season on such a high this guest that I have on is incredible. She's epic. And it's someone that has been on my wish list since the last, oh my goodness, probably about nine months I wrote her down. I remember writing her name down as like a dream guest to have on. So I'm so pleased. Um, my guest today is the phenomenal Jenna Weakland. Jenna Weakland is best known for being co-host with Dr. Nicole LaPera, aka the holistic psychologist. <laughs> so I know many of you will follow the holistic psychologist um, on Instagram. And she is also co-creator of the Self Healers Circle. She is co-host of the incredible Self Healer Soundboard podcast. If you are notching into that, get tuning into it because it's amazing. I get so much wisdom and insights from it too. Um, the Self Healer Circle is an online healing community. I mean, their community um, as a collective, um, they have like a combined following of like just over 4.7 million followers combined. How phenomenal is that? Touching over 4.7 million people in the world and probably way more than that. That's just like following. And um, there'll be people that aren't on social media that are being touched by um, the work that these ladies do. And, and Jenna is just the most beautiful soul. Um, so this conversation that we had, guys, I want to just say I had no voice. It maybe still sounds a little bit croaky just now, but literally when we recorded this on Monday, my voice was so strained and I was like, oh my goodness. Um, however, luckily in most of the, the conversation, Jenna's doing most of the talking. <laughs> um, and it was so good. We actually chatted for an hour and 20 minutes. And rather than put it into one episode, I decided to split it into two parts. So what you're going to hear today is part one. And in part one, we talk about so much, um, mainly the importance of doing the work, the deep work, living your truth, following your heart. We talk about Jenna's journey to being 
in a loving heart-led relationship um she is in a thruple um, and how she navigates that we talk about self-love and how you are love already and um, we talk about the power of presence and changing patterns by taking responsibility and so much more this is jam-packed so yeah episode two of this so part two of this will be out on Sunday morning and then we are finishing uh, we're finishing season four and we're going to be back in April for season five and already I've had emails from guests wanting to come on this podcast amazing guests from all over the world so I'm excited to get working on that in March and we will be back in April so tune into this um I have also dropped all of Jenna's links um uh in the show notes, guys. So if you want to connect with her or you want to see what they're up to or inquire about getting on their waiting list um, for the sound healers, sorry, self-healers circle, then um, all the links are dropped in the show notes. <sighs> so without any further ado, let's go in and enjoy part one of this final episode of season four with Jenna Weekland. She loves herself with Jill Ritchie. Welcome to She Loves Herself, the podcast, Jenna Weekland. Yay! Hello. <laughs> I'm so happy that you are here and you're our final guest for season four. So the direction that I've taken the podcast in is a little bit different from seasons one to three. Um, there's still the vulnerability piece. It's very truthful and, and, and honest um, and, and deep conversations, but we've taken season four in a different direction. I couldn't think of anyone better to have. You've been on my dream list for a long time to get you on. So I'm absolutely buzzing to finish such an epic season. It's been, and there's been so much growth in this season for me too, you know? So I've shared quite a lot of personal things in this, this season. So, um, and I've obviously followed you for a long time and I listen to all your podcasts, which are absolutely amazing. So if you don't listen, you need to go check it out. It's amazing. So Jenna, welcome. And thank you so much for coming along. Thank you so much, Jill. I'm thrilled to be here. It feels very aligned. And I am also excited and congratulate you on making your dream list happen. Because that's pretty cool. Mm, <laughs> and I'm honored, truly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I felt there was so much alignment in terms of when you said it's aligned. I felt that. And as you and I were connecting um, over email, I felt that connection. I was like, I'm really feeling the connection. And that safety and natural lovely energy and I think when we're in that space we attract those people too so it's awesome so Jenna for people that don't know who you are and I know that there'll be loads and loads of people that do know who you are but for the ones listening tell us who you are that's yeah, a great question yeah <laughs> tell us who you are what you do a great question slash request. I think there actually may be many mo most people who wouldn't um, know me. So I'm Jenna. I have a podcast with Nicola Para uh, called the Self Healer Soundboard, and I also run the Self Healer Circle with Dr. Nicola Para, our online virtual global healing membership. Um, so in business, my business partners are Nicole and Lolly. So we run the Holistic Psychologist. Um, and they're also my life partners too. So my mm -hmm. life, love, business, partners, 
all rolled into one. Um, I guess that's me and what I'm doing yeah. now. I don't know really how to encapsulate. Yeah, I love Jenna. that. Though I am the same Jenna I've always been that has Mm -hmm. now merged with truly the vision and the people and really the shared dream and vision that I have always been set out for. And I think anyone who knows me from, you know, my in real life life away from even anything you see on social media or that I'm doing now, it's you see the continuity of the path. I've very much been on that same path going towards the same vision and dream and goal, which is the work I'm doing now of service and healing while also just sharing my own experience and journey and merge so beautifully with Nicole and Lolly, who I, I always knew I was searching out there yeah. for my partners. I didn't necessarily know what partners would mean that that was going to be business and life. However, I knew what I was up to. And I also knew that I was consciously seeking my partners. I didn't want to, I knew that I couldn't do mm. the magnitude of what I wanted to do or contribute to the world by myself. Mm, that's so beautiful and I love it and I I actually followed you guys um for a while and obviously the holistic psychologist there's so much that's such a huge platform on social media and um I remember when you guys announced that you guys were in a thruple and I was buzzing for you absolutely buzzing and the energy between you all and that that image and that picture that was shared was just so much love and I could feel that it was just epic such an epic thing but I want to ask you about that because I guess there would have been fear now you have done a lot of work on yourself as have I in terms of the deep the deep work you know when you're in the you know the pits and you're actually feeling like what is going on and you shed those parts of the ego and your growth, I love, you know, listening to your story of your growth and how you reached out and and to Nicole and um, she was doing something that you were doing. You were like, oh my God, someone's already <laughs> doing it. And then where's my space here? And I just love that. I love that because what it does is it just gives other people so much hope that when you take a bold leap, and you step into your truth, like your your truth. And even though there's so much fear because of the programs and the conditioning, when you surrender into that and you step into that space, you can't get it wrong. Like you can't fail. You can't get it wrong because it's perfectly aligned to you. And that must have taken so much courage, though, to then share <laughs> that with the world that you guys were in this gorgeous relationship the three of you yeah I I have chills from everything you just said um it did take courage I think from my end personally it took more courage to kind of be a stand for it and almost not pitch it to Nicole and Lolly but to really take a stand and speak my own truth for myself Mm -hmm. even within our relationship to say you know, it's the elephant in the room. It's before we even announced that we'd already been together, you know, officially together in a committed, you know, I guess it is, yes, a throuple relationship for a number of months by the time that we had shared that post. And we obviously didn't just one day wake up and decide, oh my gosh, you know, let's try dating each other. It was, we'd already been working together, the three of us, you know, 
kind of like living, working really for the last several years. So it's not like this energy and feelings weren't there. They were, and we're very much, you know, we live in alignment. My goal always is to continuously keep evolving, keep living in alignment with my truest self, even if that doesn't necessarily look easy. So Mm -hmm. speaking that truth for me is, I can see, you know, patterns of that even in the past. When I came out the first time I dated women, it was the same. There wasn't a big announcement. It was just sort of an enrollment of the community around me that said, hey, this is my girlfriend. Hey, this is my partner. There wasn't really room for anyone else's opinion because I'm so led from my heart, though I realized this was a different a different perspective now because we're not talking about, oh, just our personal relationship and, you know, coming out to say, though it's a business and we have to also look at ourselves now, how are people going to respond? If we're going to speak our truth to people, then I also do have to, or really choose to accept and acknowledge that I'm also going to accept people's critiques and their opinions. And everyone does have a right to that opinion. So we're actually, we're just talking this morning, that post on Instagram has like 9,000 comments. It has more comments than any other post because it is very provoking. And I posted, shared something this morning or yesterday, I think Lolly did as well. That was just someone else's post about polyamory and the beauty of it and choosing the person. And I thought it was just a beautiful display of, you know, something that is aligned for me being with multiple people. And I also understand in the world of social media, though I'm sharing something that has a beautiful sentiment, it's almost like now we have to, or are expected to have little asterisks next to everything we say to put in there, you know, okay, this doesn't just apply to polyamory couples. It doesn't just mm-hmm. apply to non-monogamy. And some people do see that. I actually got a couple of responses that were really beautiful and thanked the three of us for really normalizing yeah. different relationship situations and different relationship experiences. So it did take some courage to just in general, it took courage to just live in my truth, but speaking yeah. that outwardly to the world, that for me actually was incredibly refreshing. And I'm very grateful because at that point we'd been months into recording the podcast to teaching in the circle, to doing our work that in a lot of ways is public. And without that being acknowledged or transparent, I just, I kept feeling so much pressure in my chest where I'm like, Mm -hmm. I can't, I don't feel authentic. Like I don't need Mm -hmm. to talk about my dating life with everyone. However, our work is talking about my life experience and relationships. And I need to be transparent and very honest with people. Oh my goodness. I've got the chills now. (laughs) Oh my word. And this is the thing, isn't it? When we are, we're in the work and we do the work. I love that you said about being authentic. When you are sharing and you're, you're teaching and you're, you're coaching and you're helping people. Authenticity is, is a, is a core value of mine. So I really get it. And it does when, when we start to live in it, live in our truth, I think it is. And I got what you said there. It's actually easier once you've lived it and you're, you're accepting it yourself and you're you're fully in there to then share it with people because almost you've got to the point of non-attachment because suddenly it's like well this I'm fully accepting myself and loving myself all sides of myself and actually I'm non-attached because I think that's the thing that so many people struggle with if they're not fully living in their truth because they are so attached to 
connecting or, or being, you know, in that safe space with someone or they will reject me or, you know, I'll be pushed out of the community. And I, there's so much where so many people do choose um, attachment over authenticity. And it's, I see it so much. And I have definitely been one that did it. I, I remember um, my coach, I'd said to her, you know, it's, it's the lies we tell ourselves. And she said to me, especially you, Jill. <laughs> and she's, she's incredible. Like, um, and I was like, yeah, you're so right. Because I was doing little bits, but the bigger stuff, I was like, oh, I'm so scared. I'm so scared to actually really go to that deep, deep part. And I wanted to, but there was just so much resistance and fear. And, you know, I, I've talked about this openly when I went back and, and realized through the, the whole women and my line carried the same. They struggled with vulnerability, especially in relationships, mm-hmm. to let yourself be fully seen and ask for what you want. But the minute I, well, it's actually for years, years of coaching, years of investing, eventually in 2021, I had that moment where it all started to land. And I was able to actually have that conversation with my partner and say, this is how I really feel. And I didn't die, you know, that way, because (laughs) the fear was like, I'm actually going to die, you know, but doing it has just been the most healing and incredible journey. And I think that's why now talking about these things around intimacy, around polyamory, I had an amazing girl on who um, is in a polyamory relationship and she was so open. And I just feel like opening this space up like yourself, you know, when you're sharing it, it gives so many other people permission to just mm-hmm. inquire, you know, just to go inward and say, how does this feel for me? Rather than I'm just, you know, it's it's monogamy or nothing, you know, and it's it's just incredible to, to see someone like yourself go on that journey and you're very open and, you know, I've listened to the podcast, so I'm very aware. Um, but yeah, it's that healing journey that, just as a really beautiful one and yeah love it so 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 amazing so in terms of um the three of you I want to ask you about the dynamics right because <laughs> I know how hard it has been with one partner <laughs> right uh, how do you guys manage it like because I guess in terms of the dynamics you're gonna have three different personalities in there what's that like yeah, it's funny if you say it, it's hard enough with one person and I feel I really just dove head into two and for <laughs> if you listen to the podcast or self healer soundboard and heard just my sharing in general it is relationships for me were that intimacy that closeness did not look like how a movie romanticizes it you know with eye contact and touching and that love and that romance no, that was very scary for me. That was very foreign and very threatening. So being in a situation now, I I do want that. That's aligned for my heart. And it's what I choose. It's also not what I've ever known from growing up. So it has been very threatening and very fearful and can leave you really immobilizing. So the beautiful thing about this experience and situation is that one, I only 
really followed my heart and my intuition to lead me here in trust of myself. I have full trust of my heart. I always have that it is guiding me where I am meant to be and where I choose to be. And that I would also be with partners who are doing the same. And in so many ways, merging with Nicole and Lolly really is divine and is magical. So there is an, just an innate trust of, I feel like, and I do know that I've known them for lifetimes. There's very much that deep soul knowing. So there's a comfort there that, you know, I do think everyone has access to, though I would be lying if I didn't say I don't sit around astonished and mind blown a lot of the time, just in awe really at what we do have and what we are creating. And if you want to take all of the, you know, divine souls merging, the magic just away from it and look at it really objectively, we have three humans who are really invested and kind of obsessed with evolving, with becoming their best selves, with learning themselves and becoming their best selves is, yes, it's a gift to me and to the other partner. However, it starts with each person. My growth is for me first. And I, I mean that genuinely through and through. And that's also respected by Nicole and Lolly. And the same is for them, my priority is going to be me. And then for each of us, our priorities, our business, because our business also is kind of like our child. It's like our joint baby. It, it is a big part of our relationship. And then there's the priority of us together. And then there's also the priority of us individually. So really, sometimes it feels like I'm in a relationship with myself. I'm in a relationship in our thruple. And then I'm in a relationship with Nicole and Lolly. So there's four right there. And each person does very much have their own personality, has their own dynamics. We absolutely get in, you know, little scruffles and get annoyed at each other or have little spits and spats. And the window of time it takes us to come back to being present and coming from a genuine heart space of compassion really gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Even these last couple of weeks, I've been kind of like a little kid dancing around because something will happen or we'll get into a little tiff or someone will annoy me or we'll get triggered or maybe I'm being really grounded and one of them gets triggered, but then I get triggered by their trigger. So now we've got two triggered people coming at each other and we're able to look at each other and very quickly now in a matter of seconds, sometimes be able to bring ourselves back to the present and realize, oh, we don't actually want that. Like there's something here, let's talk about it. And then whatever that happens, we share that on the podcast. I share that in our teachings in the circle. We don't go into the the details of our relationship and our intimacy, though we do talk about our evolution as humans being together and choosing over and over and over again, because it, it is work. So you think a relationship with one person and how much work that is, well, it is literally that times two. And then kind of on top of that, you have an additional relationship with the individual person amongst everyone too. Mm-hmm. So if that sounds like a mouthful, mm-hmm. that's how it feels. Too. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is also like in our household. It is a mouthful that we choose and love though. It, it is work. It sometimes is exhausting. Yeah. But also everything you've just described it's it's love, right? It's that return to love. Mm. Everything that you said there, it took me back to, okay, it's going back to love. It's always choosing love, choosing love, choosing love. Mm. And I loved that you said your relationship is with yourself first and foremost, 100%. And I feel that 
this is something that we are programmed not to be like. You know, our whole life is around, again, being attached to other people and what they think. So therefore we abandon our needs. And I for sure had no understanding of just how attached I was to even family members who I absolutely love. But again, I thought, okay, that's my responsibility. You know, if they're annoyed, that's 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 my responsibility to try and, you know, make them see in my point of view. Or, or, you know, if my children, you know, because I'm their mom, it's like, well, you know, you're fully responsible. So you must sacrifice everything now that you're a mom. But guess what? That's what I was told. You know, well, you know, you you're just at the bottom of the pile now, you're a mum. And and I feel like I see so much of that and it it's that people get so lost. I had a call with a client today and it and they said in the first it was the first call and they were like, I just I asked her, I said, what do you really want? And she said, no one has ever asked me that. I don't know. But she's not the first person to ever say that. It's like, I, I actually don't know because we've got all these layers and layers that we, we've piled on over the years. But when we strip it back and we connect to the soul, the soul's like, you know, the soul knows exactly the path for you. But we need to be willing to really cultivate self-love on the deepest level. And that, when we talk about self-love, a lot of people are like, well, yeah, self-love is the good stuff, like the bubble baths and, you know, the walks in nature. But actually self-love can be really painful. And actually going into that space and really seeing yourself pretty much for, for many people, probably for the first time to really see yourself and hold yourself unconditionally loving. People don't know how to do that because we've been so attached to getting love from someone else or that thing that we need needs to come from another source. And it's just, I'm so passionate about this because I talk about, well, this is called She Loves Herself. Mm. And that self-love piece can be so painful, mm. but it is the most beautiful pain because when you let go and you finally can surrender, you're, it's just your, your guidance and what shows up and who shows up that is in perfect alignment for you is just magical. But we don't hear a lot of people talking about the pain that comes from self-love. <laughs> yeah, it. I think you hear self-love and a lot of people associate, oh, I'll sleep in or I'll get my nails done. And those may all be great actions of self-love. And it's just so... Generally, I think we see it so much as a society of, oh yeah, there's a self to love and there's a missing deeper layer of the fact that we are love itself. Yeah. Someone said to me once, you don't have to look for love when it's where you come from. And that always echoes in my mind because it is who we are. We are that love. There isn't, you know, this perfect soul path or something out there that we're searching no. for. I say this all the time to everyone in this circle. And I use this visual of like, say you have a block of clay and creating some beautiful sculpture. This sculpture already exists inside that block of clay. You're literally just chiseling away the outside and getting into the detail. But that beautiful final masterpiece literally was already there in the center that entire time. 
And that is so refreshing to me. And I hope to anyone who is on their own healing journey or beginning one that there isn't something out there that you're trying to get to or trying to find or search for. It already is here in you. It is you. Love actually is you. And now it's a matter of us getting responsible for the fact that we are the ones responsible for our thought. We can and do control our thoughts, whether we want to admit it or not. The more we practice being present and just conscious in the present moment, then we can choose to start choosing that thought. If we don't like the way we're feeling, we can begin practicing, beginning to feel something new, beginning to experience even just what our body feels like. There's such minute things sometimes where it feels like, and I say all the time to myself, it's almost like teaching kindergarten, or I feel like a lot of the time I'm holding little Jenna's hand and I'm taking her to preschool or when I'm teaching within this circle, it's, you know, these are very expansive, dynamic human beings. All of our members, everyone, everyone in the world has a dynamic and complex life, regardless of how that looks. And so many of us as a collective, because we really are one unified whole, are these three-year-old selves that didn't have that hand reaching out. And it's so empowering now to see, you know, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt and anguish of this realization that, you know, many of us didn't have this sort of conscious parenting or present, real, authentic love. And while there's a lot of pain in that, what I think immediately gets looked over is this massive universal sweep of minds lighting up from around the world, realizing that they now can be that person for themselves and not only for themselves, but also for the present and future generation. So already there, there's a huge shift, but it's it's like gardening, right? You can't mm. plant a seed and then expect the tree to be there the next day, though we've already created such massive ripples. Yeah, for sure. I love that and touching on the younger self and the inner child work. Uh, this is a game changer in our child work and and actually realizing that you can go in and almost reparent you know when we connect to that energy and we go into that so when I do sort of big sort of meditations for larger groups when it's the the moment I I get them to connect with our child the emotion that comes Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever done it and there's not a message that's come through saying oh my as soon as you said that I the emotion or and we take them into the the heart space right because that's where so much truth lies when we we try and not live from the head but when you said present being present and, and cultivating presence is such a game changer that it's something that people don't do they're either living in the past or thinking about the future and how many times have we ever said, and I've said it myself, even when I look at my children, they're seven and 10, they're both boys, they're seven and 10. And I see little videos that come up from when they were like two, like little chubby cheeks in the dummy. And, and I'm like, oh, take me back. And I thought, oh no, I can't believe I just said that. Because I said to my sister, I said, I've just said, take me back to that. But I know in five years time, I'll be wanting to come back to this point when they're seven and 10, when they're, they'll be teenagers being really cheeky and stuff. But my point is we we're so used to trying to think about the next thing and the next thing. Yeah. When I really cultivated presence, Jenna, it changed everything. I started seeing differently. Colors were different. I would look <laughs> at my little boy instead of just looking at his cute face and freckles. I'd be like, he's cute. And oh, I love him. I looked at him and I suddenly it's like 
I could see his eyelashes and like mm. every little detail on his face, his teeth. And I'm like, you are amazing. But, but it opened me up and I'm like, I have not been doing this nearly enough, but it is a practice. It sounds so simple, get present, but our minds are like racing. Mm-hmm. It does take a practice. I've actually set alarms. I've had alarms going off and left, mm-hmm. right and centre to remind me. That might have been a tip from you guys, actually. <laughs> might have been one of your tips. Put it to, remind me, to, to remind me to get present. And, and it works. You know, and people are like, I'm not, I don't need to do that. You do. Because <laughs> you're in the habit of not being. And it's, it is, it's such a beautiful thing to, to do it because you start to so, show yourself so much kindness and compassion when you get present as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we can be so mean to ourselves, our inner critic, um, the words that we use about ourselves to ourselves. But when we get present, it just, it kind of just removes that part. I noticed that I wouldn't use that language about myself. I noticed that I was just, everything was softer. The way I moved, the way I just walked was just softer and more connected. So it's, yeah, definitely get present people. If you're not doing it, get those alarms on your phone, (laughs) get them going off to remind you to be present. Yeah, we do. That practice is, I think, a really great one. We continuously recommend that just setting an alarm, you know, for 3.30 in the afternoon or some random time. And in that moment, when it goes off, looking around at where you are, taking in the sounds, the sights, using your senses, your touch, your smell, and just being. And it's, you really, you need to practice presence if you want to consciously create your life. If you want to choose consciously. I try and find other ways consistently to replace consciously, but it it really is. It's to have a say, because even if you're not consciously choosing your life, you're, you are the chooser of it. If you're not being present, then you are running on autopilot with this thought loop of the past. So all of your past continues to show up in patterns in your present. Your future is going to look just like your past, and it's going to show up like that in the present moment. So you're in the cycle of the past. If Mm. you do want something different, if you want to stop the patterns or learn that there are patterns, you do have to become a witness to even see that they're there in the first place. And that's where practicing that presence to actually then be when you're present, all of your purpose and power lives in that present moment from there in presence, you can then choose. And it sounds when we say, you know, it's not simple. It I really do honestly think it is simple to choose to be present in the moment or not. What's not simple is putting aside the ego and the chatter and all of the stories and reasons that we shouldn't be, because that will keep us. If we've never practiced presence in our whole life, then suddenly deciding to tune into the present moment, you better believe your mind is going to be going Mm -hmm. crazy, finding all of the excuses not to, because practicing presence will then be foreign territory. And what do you want to do with foreign territory? Well, you want to fend it away. You want to keep yourself safe and sort of start to sabotage it. So practicing presence and actually being here is really the only thing that's going to allow you to choose to move forward in a different way. And saying that too, while it could be simple to practice that presence, the not simple part is 
showing up over and over and over. Like you're saying, great. You set an alarm once you're present. That's awesome. Though if I go to the gym once and lift one weight and put it down and never go again, I'm not going to see any results from that. Mm -hmm. So it's the consistent practice, which has to come hand in hand with actually having compassion and love for yourself. And if you are genuinely, truly present, you do have to begin cultivating that for yourself or just practicing, even saying to yourself, you know, I accept you and I love you. Cause if you are present and it's the first time you're being present, your body might feel awful. Your mind might start racing all of those wounds, all of that darkness that we've been pushing away. There's a reason that we haven't been present our whole lives. Sometimes the first time that we are means we've got to look in the mirror. I know for me personally, being present and actually being in the moment, holding eye contact with someone, it almost feels nauseating for me. It does feel very raw. And it shows me, it's like a mirror of all of the nooks and crannies and the depths of Jenna or old wounded parts of me that I haven't even wanted to acknowledge yet. So it's comes hand in hand too with a lot of love and a lot of compassion for you because it can feel physically immobilizing or mm-hmm. physically painful to be present. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I love that you did say about the choosing. And and I think, you know, I can be quite blunt. <laughs> I'm very, I say it with love, right? I'm like, do you know what? It's not easy, this work. And it goes back to the, the, those parts when you said it's a simple thing, but it's not simple. It's not easy, right? <laughs> so simple just get present however that's when you have those moments of fear and terror can show up like I've shared this before when I sat beside my partner and I couldn't even look at him I was like I don't like this I want to run away I don't like this and I started crying and I hated myself for crying and being vulnerable I was like this is what I didn't want to happen and then it was all right, but it, it, this is the thing. We want to run from that part that you, your body's like, run, run. You, you, what are you doing this for? But you will never get, if you're searching for something, you're never going to find it if you don't do this work. And I'm not saying everybody needs to do the depth of the work that I've done or you've done, Jenna. <laughs> like I've done like really, really deep work. I know you have too. I'm not saying everyone needs to do it, but if you want to stop feeling the way that you're feeling or always thinking that there's more or never good enough or what's the next thing, what's the next thing, try understanding and getting curious about yourself. And I say to people, have fun with it. Although there is moments that you will feel like, wow, what is that that's there? What is that emotion? Your body is phenomenal. And actually to feel the emotion, I read this somewhere, that it's like 90 seconds to allow that emotion to work through your entire body. The reason that we keep going back to it is because we're not allowing our body to release the emotion and release that energy from our body. We just go back to the story. We go back to, and we attach a story or something else to it. And we just replay it over and over again. But if you are someone who wants to feel like deep, you know, deep self-love and deep self-awareness, do this work because what you find out about yourself is phenomenal and the power that you have, like you don't even understand how powerful you are. It's like, 
I'm like, oh my gosh, like if, if I didn't, I, I had no idea how much power and, and strength I had until I did this work. And all, you know, there has been parts that I've thought, you know, I'm in the pits here, the trenches. You know, I was like having a death. It felt like a complete, like, I don't know who I am. I can't even get out of my bed. However, we always know something big's coming after that. Something epic is Uh coming after that. And it always does. It always does. And yeah, this work is so amazing and what you guys are doing because you, I want you to ask you about your circle mm-hmm. because there's lots of I mean there's so many people that have different groups yeah but what I want to hear about is how your group is different because there's a lot of energy and healing and that's right yeah. up my street so can you tell us what happens in a in a typical circle yeah so there's one circle it's the self-healer circle so it's our online virtual global healing membership. It's a self-led membership. So when you join the circle, there are each month on the first of the month, there's a new course that is released. So a new topic for that month. And then there's a live event each week during the month. So for four weeks during the month, there's a live event each week. There's a content teaching with me, a virtual workshop, a live Q and a, and then we started doing a community check-in, which has been an informal kind of like this, where it's just an intuitive, you know, just come hang out, share where you're at. It's an interactive space to really spend time between myself, Nicole, the team and our members in the community. So we have the live events. It's, it's interesting to describe it now because it's it's changed so much. When you first came in, you were in one little cohort and we all moved together. And now you go into the circle and you have a library of, I think we probably have 26 courses now because we've been around for about two and a half years. So there's different courses on inner child, reparenting, boundaries. Last month was speaking your, or no, this is it this month? Speaking your truth, speak your truth, mm-hmm. connecting with silence. So it's also intuitive to what it is that we're experiencing, what we hear the community going through collectively <laughs> as a world. That's what the topics and the presenters are curated around. So each month, the live events are in correlation for that recent course release. But every month in the course drop, there is there's PDF content, the live events, a playlist, a book club, a guided meditation, and then inside our membership portal, there's engagement, like social groups to go in and engage with other members about each of the different course topics. And then a couple of special interest groups and networking groups, a group for parents. So it really is, it's a global community. We sign on to a live, I think my last content teaching and you see Ukraine, Croatia, Zimbabwe, there's literally just dozens of country and pe- countries, people from all around the world in different time zones, all coming together, which is so cool because there's mm-hmm. so many different religious backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, a difference in age. You know, you might have some teenagers and then someone who's 70 years old in there doing the work. And we do have that span. So the beautiful thing that I really love about it is that you're your humanness is connected to the humanness of so many others around the world. And consistently we create spaces and, and even in the lives, I invite and encourage people over and over on repeat to put themselves out there and to share. Cause that's the thing too. When you join the circle, there's a lot available for you inside the membership 
And it's up to you to get out of it, what you want to get out of it. It's up to you to, you know, we can place the link in front of you that says, Hey, go say hi, though. You have to take the action to click it, go in, say hi and introduce yourself. So it also is just consistently a safe space where you have our team live consistently inviting and encouraging others to take that leap, do the witnessing and also put yourself out there, say hello. And when you start to see people sharing, even if it is from behind a keyboard, something very vulnerable or something about their experience that just sends off or lifts a veil to thousands of other members where you just see a waterfall of people's hearts then pouring out because their heart felt seen. So even just through the experience of being in it, you actually get to experience and embody your connectedness to others, not just be told, oh, we're all connected. They get to have that experience for themselves. Mm, and it's amazing and I, I I definitely see this and I've had sort of group programs and things and even the person that isn't being coached everyone feels it you know the emotion the connection that we have when we're in that space in the heart space it is so healing for so many people to witness and as you said it lifts that veil and gives other people permission when you know it, that it's safe that they can be their most authentic self and they won't be rejected or they won't be shamed. And yeah, this, this work is so incredible. And I just want to ask you because you're so experienced and amazing. Even the way you articulate yourself is fantastic. What was that? Was it always like that for you? Or was there times when you were on the journey that, you know, cause you're obviously you're, you're you, know what, you know what you're doing now, but in the beginning, were you always sure like this is a space I want to be in? I'm, you know, super confident in it. Yeah. And that's why I really do call it a dream merge because, you know, to a lot of people publicly, yes, it sort of looks like, you know, Jenna just popped up, but though what people don't see is that even before that or before the podcast, I'd been here working with Nicole and Lolly, creating the circle from behind the scenes for the last several years. So the beautiful thing too, I mean, there wasn't like a, an onboarding process or there was some article about us being a thruple and how, you know, I spoke my feelings to Nicole as my boss and that wasn't our dynamic. It was a very much an alignment of, you know, if you read the end of how to do the work, you kind of see the introduction of how it came to be that I even merged with Nicole and the holistic psychologist and our work, which was sending a DM though, there was such a there was so much energy and such a divine connection behind that DM to even send it and have, I literally looked down at my phone and as I sent it, it was seen and responded to right away. I hopped on the phone with Lolly either that night or the next day and had, you know, the keys to the circle were tossed to me. So the circle had only existed for about 24 hours. It had been like live in the world. And it was exactly what I was on my path doing and creating. And I wanted my partners. So when I sent a message that said to Nicole, literally, you know, Hey, we're doing the same thing. I'm here. Let's have a conversation. The next day they tossed me the keys and it was literally like the three of us equal across the board running stuff. There was no onboarding. There was no training. It was more I'm creating the onboarding. I'm creating the training for our team that we now have. Mm -hmm. And it was a beautiful joint merger. And I think the, how that was able to happen 
is because there was so much, there was so much power and, and power can be really spooky. We talk about that all the time. When you do realize how powerful, there's nothing unique about me that makes me more powerful than anyone else. Though, when you really do speak your truth yeah. and consistently live in alignment, it can also be very scary or new to receive how powerful you are that I literally, before I even met Nicole, it was what, probably four years ago. Now I walked around telling people I was going to create a self healers empire with Dr. Nicola Paris. She had no idea who I was. I just knew her from, I just, you know, someone showed me her Instagram that year, though. I knew I had such a knowing because our work was the same. The conversation was the same, <laughs> how I, articulate myself to, I mean, that I think came from survival. I've always been on a very open spiritual journey. I've always shared my experience. I've actually personally started sharing less since merging and these last couple of years with Nicole and Lolly, because my, you know, I was busy and my focus was somewhere though, you know, creating the circle and doing all of our work. And now it's sort of me coming out of my shell a bit more and circling back to that Jenna that even led me here, which was just someone who, who shared those lows, who shared, you know, all of those tears, all that wounding, all of this stuff that's kind of taboo that no one wants to talk about or, you know, we don't say things because we're like, oh my gosh, what will that person think of me? Where I'll be the first person to say, you know, if I'm in an argument, I'll turn into a bitch. I get really mean. Like I'm a human. I have these responses and I can depersonalize them and see, oh, okay. That's not actually authentic to me. I don't want to be that way. Let me pull this apart. And when I'm able to do that publicly to people, I think it it gives them permission and allows them to see that in themselves. So really who I am now, who people are seeing now, the Jenny you're getting, the articulation you're getting, it literally, if someone who knew me when I was 12 was here right now in the room, they would say to you, oh my gosh, she hasn't changed at all. And I think that articulation and that expression of my heart and my needs absolutely was born out of a a hyper individual survival and a, a need to know my needs, a need to express my need because I was the one, even as a child, responsible for then fulfilling my needs and making sure my needs were met because I didn't have that parent figure or that mom or dad or caretaker consistently around. That caretaker was me. So I learned myself very well. And I've able been able to really follow my intuition, not knowing at all that it was my intuition and have those words for it as a kid, though a lot of the work that we're teaching now, I can see I've been practicing since I was little. I just didn't know. I wasn't consciously doing it. I was doing it out of survival, which was to depend on me and to follow my heart. Okay, that's all for part one of this incredible episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Wasn't there so many amazing insights and wisdom from Jenna? So part two will be back on Sunday. But here is a little teaser to whet your appetite. He could never love himself. He always desired to appease everyone else, to make everyone else proud. And he lacked the first connection that he needed, the bridge he needed to get to that place and that authentic love and connection with other people was to have that authentic love and connection with himself. And it's not a joke what we're talking about. When we do stay in these traumatized bodies or pass, when Jake lived the life that he lived, he 
did spiral into addiction and you know he multiple times he had overdosed in my 20s i received a few phone calls that jake was gone and then he was brought back he'd been in and out of jail and in and out of prison and when he went through that period of recovery it was absolutely tremendous he got to be someone so important and crucial in sharing his story that allowed others to do exactly what I'm doing, to acknowledge their own stories, to love themselves.